Hi, everybody. Today is June 13, 2022. We're in the Pat Price Tech Talk training room. Time for Tech Talk once again. Thanks so much for being with us. And uh, we're also very fortunate to have Michael Fear with us again. He's talked about gaming in the past. He talked to us about iOS in the not-too-distant past. And his book has had a little revision. And so he is back to talk about it. It's uh, personal power, getting the most from iOS as a totally blind user. That's that's the new wonderful title I somehow thought up. Yeah, <laughs> but it's a cool book, and uh, and you're going to talk a little bit about it. And we'll talk a little bit about how it really works, especially with some of the new things that are happening in iOS as well. A couple of bugs and things like that have come out. but So it's a fascinating topic, and we're glad to have you back with us again. So thanks so much for being with us on Tech Talk. Well, it's a real pleasure, as always, and uh, happy to, to do these sort of things. And as long as I'm, ha- I'm helpful, I'm, uh, I'm happy to, to be here. But how did this book come about? What made you decide to write a book about iOS? Well, I basically kept running into people who didn't seem to know what they had. Very similar to, to the very first of, of this kind of guide that I did for Windows computers. I, you know, History seemed to be repeating itself yet again. Uh, we had people with wonderful devices that had no idea that they had screen readers, had no idea that they could do all sorts of things for themselves. And they, they just thought that Siri did, you know, was what made it was accessible. And that's not really Siri's job. And so it was, it was hobbling what they could have done with what they had. And all they needed was the information that I just took for granted because I found all these sources. I've been blessed with a, you know, really good friends, family connections to, you know, tech groups, things like that. So I, I took it for granted that everyone else sort of had those resources. And it, slowly that, that perception was chipped away at over the years. And uh, then I, I got to the point where it, it it just became obvious there were a few things that that really pushed me over that edge, uh, including a lovely lady in Northern Ontario who I was chatting with and discovered that in in her situation, it, it, you know, she should have been told about various apps that were out there that could have really made a big difference in her life, and no one in her connected circles knew that she already had a device. And could have gotten these apps and could have done a lot more for herself if, if she had only known. So that that was the probably the last thing that pushed me into really starting uh, the first edition. So talk to us a little bit about the iPhone a little bit and some of the things that you like and some of the things that would be of interest to people listening in. Well, you know, the iPhone is about the most misnamed thing I think I've ever owned. You know, it is a phone, but that's just incidental. It's really a pocket computer that just happens to be able to make phone calls. You know, and once you really understand that and you understand what is in that iPhone and what that lets you do, it the uh, appeal to blind people really becomes obvious. You know, I, um, you know, I, I encountered my iPhone very suddenly first uh, back in 2011. Uh, mom broke her cell phone, needed a replacement. I had one that just had buttons on it, and that was the only reason I had it. It was a, 
just an ordinary phone. It wasn't very smart, uh, but it had texting and things. But the only thing I could really do is call numbers with it. The iPhone, I kept hearing about on Twitter and other places and these wild stories about blind people using this flat device with no buttons on it and somehow doing all these incredible things. And they all just seemed so excited. It just seemed so out there. I was not an easy sell when it first came out. But eventually, you know, by the time mom broke her phone, I knew enough to know that indeed this was the next accessible, affordable option. And I took that plunge. I signed that three-year contract. Back, back then, they were three years as, as a general uh, length. And I just thought I was handed this flat slab that felt like one of those drink coasters that, you know, your drink would just fly off of if you weren't careful how you put it on. And I thought, what have I just done? You know, but, you know, very quickly, uh, it, it really became evident that I'd, that this was amazing. Even back then at, in those days, back in 2011, the things you could do with it, uh, were, were pretty incredible. And it kept just getting better and better as more apps and capabilities came in over time. So it is easily the most life-changing thing other than my white cane that I've ever owned. Uh, you know, it, it's, it really has just the, the way it, it lets us into the Apple ecosystem and lets us take advantage of massive scale economics that finally work in our favor rather than against us. Like I used to be a JAWS user. And I paid more for JAWS at one point than I did for the laptop that I used, you know, JAWS on to have it talk. And now, you know, all those years ago, I walk out of, you know, a a Rogers store, uh, one of our carriers up here, with an iPhone that I didn't have to pay anything extra to make accessible. It just worked right out of the box accessibly. In fact, I could have set it up without help if I'd known that at the time. So, you know, that was, that was amazing in and of itself. And, and so that's, that's really why, you know, th- these are the kinds of things that eventually pushed me to the point where I decided, you know what, I have to write a guide about this. Apple does not explain this stuff well. And they, it's part of their philosophy. They, the, part of the philosophy behind an iPhone for the sighted world is if you have to ship it with a manual, you haven't done your job right. So their whole thought was it should be so intuitive that you don't need a manual. And for sighted people, by and large, they were that was correct. You know, it's you can get far enough by trial and error and intuition to where you can if you want to go farther, it's not such a big leap. And you know, you're you're deluged with advertising about apps and things that you ought to be using and would make your life better. And it, it, it just works for, for people. But for blind people, there's this added layer, the two added layers. First, voiceover, learning the ins and outs of voiceover. Second is which apps out of the million plus apps available can we use? You know, because, yeah, it's, it's a device that, that invites us in. But Apple does everything it can to sort of encourage developers without forcing them to make their stuff accessible. So, you know, they, they provide tools, they provide information, they go out of their way, uh, you know, far out of their way to encourage accessibility 
but not to the point of excluding apps that aren't accessible. And that's where you hit as a blind person, a brick wall, you know, if, if, and hopefully you've discovered a lot of, you've had enough positive experiences by the time you hit that start, you know, you, you're bound eventually to, to get an app that you think, Oh, this would be great for me. And you get it. And then you realize, Oh, I can't use this. It's not accessible uh, with voiceover. And, you know, you can return it, you can request a refund, and they're pretty good about giving it to you. Uh, but it's, it's a process. You have to go through the process to do that. It's not automatic. And, you know, and that can be discouraging. If you come right out of the gate and think, oh, I want an app to help me brew beer and learn how to, how, how to do that well, you know, home-brewed beer, right? That's a, that's a thing up here uh, in Canada, presumably in the U.S. as well. Uh, and, you know, you, you, can, you can do that. Um, and, and there are apps that would help you do that as a sighted person, you could just go to the app store uh, as you're often advertised to do uh, in pretty much every TV show and ad- advertising means out there. You'd go on and you'd find an app. There's an app for that. As the slogan says, you find it, you download it and you start using it. You learn all about brewing beer and hopefully you don't kill yourself trying it out. Uh, you know, but for blind people, there's this added, can we use this app? Is the app for my bank accessible? And by and large, much, much more than pretty much any, any other platform I've ever been on, the answer is yes, likely. It, it, it is going to be accessible. Maybe not as smooth and intuitive as it could be, but it, it might very well be usable. It's actually worth trying, experimenting, you know, checking things out to see how accessible they are because you might be pleasantly surprised a or b you could contact the developer of an app you're interested in and say you know i'd I'd like to use this app but it's not accessible at the moment with voiceover and they might come back and go what's voiceover and how are you doing this if you're blind right and you have to educate you know but after you do that you might very well you know help yourself and help the rest of the blind community by getting another developer to be a champion of accessibility, making his or her app accessible. And, uh, you know, and that, that has happened many times uh, over the years that, that I've, you know, you know, 12 years now that I've been using an iPhone. Uh, so that's, it, it's a much different environment and it, it's not as intuitive for blind people as it could be. So the guide I wrote, I, I've written two editions. The first one, uh, took me about three and a half years, and uh, you know it was about two hundred and fifty thousand words, give or take. Uh, the the new version it took most of the last two years. I've spent updating uh, the guide. It is three hundred and ten thousand words, and that you know it, it's bigger on its own by a good chunk. You know, a good sixty plus thousand words. But it's it's even more than that because a lot of what was in the first edition had to be edited. A lot of par- whole paragraphs had to be destroyed uh, because apps disappeared because changes invalidated other things that I wrote. It you know it was a, a massive undertaking. You know, updating. It's not just adding new stuff. It's going through all the old stuff, making sure it's still valid, and that all the apps are still present, right? Because some of them will disappear after, after a while from the app store. You got to check for that. There's all sorts of things and pieces 
that are involved in updating something like this. Uh, and there's, there's no way I could do it for each operating system as, as one person. You'd need a committee. If you had a team of maybe 10 people working on it, I, I can see that being more possible. But you know, for one person, it's a big, big task, and it never ends. Things are always changing. The goalpost is always moving. It's like tilting at a windmill. So that's kind of where we are. And Apple, I, I feel like I'm doing stuff that Apple could be doing better and should be doing more of in terms of giving you a tutorial to learn voiceover, uh, pointing out apps that are accessible. They do a lousy job of that in the App Store. Um, they have a collection for voiceover users, apps that uh, support voiceover, but it's very poorly curated, in my opinion, and uh, they don't pay enough attention to that. They don't point blind users to resources like that, which could help them uh, at least have a good beginning experience. Um, so I feel like I'm sort of picking up those pieces, and I'm doing that because I, I can't live with a world where I enjoy something as immensely as I've enjoyed the iPhone and other people are blocked from enjoying it simply for the lack of information. And I don't think it's a fair thing to say, well, if they want it, they should pay you for it. Well, okay. But if you know, that presupposes a certain level of understanding of how possible something is and how attractive, useful something is, that seems preposterous on its face. Like the idea that blind people would covet an iPhone, a flat device with no buttons, and that that requires you to is built for sighted people, uh, is is it just? It's not you know for, for people who haven't taken this journey, it's not as intuitive as it seems to those of us who have. And those kind of things are what made what got me into working on this book. So it is, uh, takes you from the very beginning, from getting an iPhone, if you had to order it online, like a lot of us did during the, the pandemic, um, getting it just from absolute scratch and setting it up, getting it going, learning voiceover. I take you all through you know, how to use voiceover. And we go on to the different methods of control. Uh, Braille, I have a section on Braille. I have a section on uh, voice control. It's not all that extensive because I, I don't use voice control as much. Um, and frankly, it, I haven't heard of it working super, super well with voiceover. It can, but it's clunky. Like it's not the way you'd want to do things if you didn't have to. Um, so there are different things. And then, of course, Siri, uh, apps in the App Store point you to a bunch of accessible apps. Games, I have a whole section on games. 22,000 words about written about games. Uh, so that, that was a, a, a good addition. Uh, shopping, whole section on online shopping, a section on the camera, all the many apps and uses you can put that camera to. In the beginning, when I first got the iPhone, it was, oh, when am I ever going to use this? And then I drop a handkerchief. And those things are silent. You can't hear handkerchiefs hit the ground. And, you know... Uh, it was it was a hazard, you know. Now you've got a slippery thing on a slippery solid floor, and I'm like, okay, 
I can, there, there are ways you can do this blind. You can crouch down and do a grid pattern search and find the sucker. It might take you ages, but you can do it. Uh, you know, or you can make a FaceTime call and use the rear find it, the rear camera, flip to the rear camera and have it look around apart your apartment and have the person you're talking to, you know, help you from the comfort of the you know, wherever they might happen to be. In my case, it was my father in a chair in his living room, helping me find a handkerchief in, you know, maybe two minutes maximum. And it would have taken me you know, 40 minutes crawling around my apartment to have a ghost of a chance of finding it, right? So that's the kind of thing that an iPhone can help you do. E- even back in the early days could help you do. Now, I mean, it's, it's grown into this incredible device if you get the right apps that can help you do, it can be your stereo, it can be your game system, it can be your GPS device, you know, it can be your optical scanner. I used to have a scanner on my desk, took up a good chunk of desk, desk space. I don't have that scanner anymore. I haven't needed it in years. You know, ever since, uh, you know, Kurzweil, uh, the app came out on the iPhone, uh, Kurzweil Reader, you know, that suddenly things that you need to, you used to have to carry a bunch of device. I went around with a laptop, a GPS device, uh, you know, a flip phone. Uh, you know, and now, of course, it's all in one device, plus library, reading. I have access to millions of books now that I can pay the same as a sighted person pays for that book and have it be fully accessible to me and navigable, you know, without having to scan 600 plus pages like I once had to do uh, and, and came up with disordered pages and all kinds of problems with my attempt that took like most of it, you know, eight hour days for most of a week to scan this massive book. And then I, I got my iPhone after, you know, maybe a year or two after I did this. And that same book was just available in what was then iBooks. I could just, I paid for it $15 and uh, got a perfect copy of that book. There's no way you'd find that book in in our library in Canada here in the C, in what was then the CNIB library. Um, you know, it, there are books that are, you know, about video game history. It's not a very common thing for blind people to want to know about. Uh, so, you know, it, it, you know, suddenly all these books that were off the beaten track were fully as accessible to me. Uh, you know, that was, that has been massive on its own. You know, the, the access to that same, information that the, on the same day I could hear about a, a new book that just got released. I could buy that book, read that book, and then be ready to talk about that book with my friends, you know, by the next day, you know, and that was unheard of. For most of my life, I couldn't do that. For most of my life, I had to hope that someone would make an accessible copy available in one of our blind specific libraries of books, uh, that I could read or that maybe someone would have an illegal copy in a way that I could access, uh, you know, that, that was, those were the only choices. You know, now I have a library of thousands of legally bought books that fits in my hand. Like that's stupendous. You know, uh, during the pandemic, this, you know, the iPhone was my window and my 
ability to shop, my ability to get what we needed, to learn what we needed to know to keep safe, uh, you know, all of that stuff to communicate, to keep in contact, you know, to reach out and make a difference as a deacon in my church, as, you know, someone, you know, wanting to help, wanting to contribute somehow to the massive effort, you know, to keep everyone safe and healthy and sane through this thing. And thanks to the iPhone and a few accessories, I could do that. So there, that is what has attracted me to the iPhone. That is what has compelled me to write not only the first, but the second edition of my book. I've now spent about half a decade, a little over half a decade working on this project. I, w- I don't want to be typecast. I want to do something else. Uh, so my next project, I'm hoping to start something more creative uh, for now. Um, and, I, you know, there's a, there's a kind of a sense I have that I will eventually be pulled back into doing another edition of this. It seems very inevitable at this point. I'm hoping I can stave it off for a year or two while I do other things. I do have other creative goals, but people need this. I mean, this is something that I feel ought to be here, ought to exist, ought to be freely available for people who can afford iPhones, but then don't know where to turn next to learn how to best make use of them as a blind person. So, you know, I'm fortunate enough to be in a position, strange as it is, where I was able to create what I I thought ought to be here and put it out there and have it do some serious good. Uh, you know, the, the first edition, I rushed it out before it was as polished as I would have liked. It had messy parts all through it, you know, spelling mistakes and worse. But that first edition, you get an email after you do that from an old lady in England who lost a ring, a very important family ring. Everyone was frantic. This was mid-pandemic. You know, people were scared to do much. No one wanted to come in and sort of help her look for it. She learned enough from my guide to get, uh, you know, I guess it was be my eyes going and find the, the, the ring, you know, in, in her, her apartment room there in the facility she was living in and, you know, with, with sighted help from a distance, from a safe distance. And that was massive to her, you know, that she could get this ring that she'd accidentally dropped back, you know, uh, you know, things like that. You, you don't forget when you get an email like that, that, that sticks with you. That, that says loud and clear, you did it, the right thing. And, you know, I've, I've got lots of emails like that over the, the, since I wrote the first one, second one is still kind of getting out there. It's spreading. Uh, I have gotten, you know, the first couple of weeks, I got tons and tons of emails. It's sort of slowed down now, but they're kind of waves as events like this happen. As I give these talks, uh, you get sort of more people that learn about it and grab it. Um, so it, it, it's in, uh, it's in an EPUB format. And I recommend that for most people. Uh, it has an active table of contents. It has headings, so navigating it is easier. Uh, you can use an app like Voice Dream Reader. You can use uh, on on computer. There are apps you could you could use to to navigate that. Uh, and Victor readers, if you if you copy it into the DBT directory, apparently it'll work. Uh, that that seems to be the way to make that that work for people doesn't always though I've, I've had people who for some reason it won't work for and i don't really understand why uh that that happens um 
it, it's available. It, someone was generous enough to uh, make a couple of Braille formats uh, that are up there, electronic Braille, of course. Uh, I have heard people are working on a human read audio version, which would be great if they can pull that off because that's one thing I, I get a lot of requests for. People want either a Daisy or a uh, an audio version. I can't really do either by myself uh, in a, a very satisfactory way that I've I've found yet. So hopefully someone will step forward and uh, and do that. Uh, I've certainly given permission. This is totally free. This people can pass this around. Uh, people can. If, I've said you know if libraries or whoever organizations want to make it in other formats to, to make it more accessible, they're welcome to do that. You know, just as long as I get you know credit for my work, of course, um, and and that they don't modify it to their own ends, you know, for whatever reason. Like, you know, it, beyond that, you know, it's it's free to be passed around. It's it's free to be shared with with whoever might benefit. I've got em- emails from sighted people who have found useful things in this guide for them. I, I didn't write it for sighted people, but that, that's happened a number of times now. Uh, usually from congregate settings, you know, where there's, there's a group of people that, you know, either a tech class or a, you know, a place like a, an old folks home where a lot of people are living together. Uh, I've seen that a lot. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things. I, I'm glad I put something out there that, that has filled a niche, uh, is helping people. Uh, and, and, you know, we'll see what happens. I'm, uh, I could probably be persuaded to, uh, to do another edition eventually. Uh, you know, and, and I'm certainly willing in the meantime, I'm doing, uh, classes, presentations for people, uh, various groups want me to talk on various things about iOS. I'm happy to do things like that. Um, you know, and, uh, th- there's some, in- some interest in having me do sort of a, a course, uh, for new smartphone owners and existing, you know, iPhone owners in, in the fall. Uh, so I'm, I'm kind of slowly putting that together. Um, so yeah, that's, the, that's kind of where, uh, where I am. And, uh, yeah, if, if anyone has, has questions, happy to do that. I want to commend Michael because if, if he touched on some of this stuff, we can't be spoon fed to learn this stuff, folks. I mean, uh, you've got to make the effort to go out and learn how to use these devices. The resources are out there. Mike, Michael's book, when you load it into voice stream reader, it's 20 hours long. So uh, I, I just want to applaud all your efforts with this stuff because you spent a lot of your life writing this stuff. And it's up to us to get out there and learn how to use it and, and, and read. I mean, uh, uh, I mean, you can load the EPUB version, which is free, as Michael said, in the Voice Dream Reader, which if you don't have, if you have an iDevice and you don't have Voice Dream Reader, shame on you. You need to find out about it and pay for it and get it on there because it enables you to, get access to and read all kind of information that'll help you use your device. And it, it, like Michael said, this thing's got navigable headings. There, there's a, a heading button on the bottom line too for a voice stream reader. You can just go through and peruse to your heart's content and find the sections you want to read to learn how to use these things. And uh, uh, I mean, 
and get on an email list. There's a VI phone list at Google Groups. There's an iDevices list on Groups.io. Folks will answer your questions for you, but you've got to make the effort to go out and, and learn how to use these devices because, like Michael said, it, it, it's a handheld computer. I mean, you can do anything you want to with it. It, 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 it it's there, and uh, and folks will be happy to answer your questions. You got to ask them. Though. So uh, the problem it, comes at the beginning of that cycle. When you like, just get a new device like this, especially if you're not well connected, like if you're newly blind or something right. like that, and you haven't gotten connected or you're handed it. I've, I've encountered a lot of people that, you know, a family friend will say, you know, hey, you know, I've, I've heard these things are accessible. Here you go. See what you can do. You know, it'll, it t- tells you. Know, so, well, hey, Siri, you know, ask Siri things and it'll answer you. Right. And that's they don't know. Right. So now you've got this device. You've got this false conclusion that the only way you can access it as a blind person is to talk to it. And you might not know where to go next to get beyond that. It's not laziness. It's not necessarily, you know, a willful ignorance. It's, I don't know that there's anything more to even look for. Right. And And you're stuck in this, in this state where you can't, you, you know, there are things you can't do with Siri. You can't really buy apps you know, you can't search for different things very easily in terms of apps and things. So that's, the, you know, I think there is a, a role for organizations, other bigger players to take the place of advertising for sighted people and get the word out that all these possibilities exist. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And you're right. It, it behooves you when you're new to these devices and you can't see to, to get somebody when you're setting it up for, for I, I want to tell you, I mean, I mean, I, I got my first iPhone in 2013. I mean, I had low vision, but, but you know, I, you know, I was dependent on voiceover and I swear the first time you get one of these things and it starts asking you to fill out your user ID and stuff, on my own screen keyboard the first time you're going before you're through with that first session, you're going to want to hurl the device against the wall because it is very frustrating. The first time you use it to be prompted to key stuff in on one of these on screen keyboards, if you don't have somebody kind of guiding you. So, uh, I, I mean, I, I don't know what the answer is and Michael, may, may, maybe you do, but it, you know, it, it, it would behoove anybody get one of these things for the first time to get some kind of on screen input. Uh, first time you're asked to set up a password and stuff, because I swear, See, you, yeah, it, 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 it's, it's one of those catch 22s. Yeah. Because I, yeah, yeah, I was yeah. very lucky. I, I was connected enough to know about Apple this and Fair. to, yeah. to have contacts on Twitter uh, and, and to have actually Anna Dresner, um, wrote a book i can't remember the name of the book now but she had uh, it was available to me and i'd i'd gotten it before i got the iphone because i was just out of pure curiosity i got it actually quite a while before i thought of getting an iphone i was just okay how are these people doing these things that i keep seeing them tweet about you know know, but that that i was in a privileged position i see i see that now i didn't see that then you know, I really thought, it, you know, in the beginning that, you know, everyone was just as connected, just as fortunate, knew what I knew. 
right. that happens. And that's, that's another thing. If, if, if people try to do a book like this uh, to, about something they really know about, there's a huge danger that you will just presume that everyone knows stuff that you've known for years, yeah. just because you've known it. Right. It's, right. it's easy to do, <laughs> but, well, so but let's, let's yeah. face it. We as human beings, we're in our comfort zone 99% of the time and you, you, you know what you use. If you don't, if you don't actually expand a little bit, you're never going to find out stuff. And sometimes there was a lot of things on the iPhone when I first started looking at it in, I don't remember when, I think it was 2010 or 11. And I didn't know half that stuff. And I used for a while the things that I needed to use, but never explored it. And, then eventually I said, I, what does this do? Or what does that do? And I began to read more things. And there's still a lot I don't know. But but you've got to expand a little bit. And you've got to take some chances. And that's how you learn. And especially with the iPhone, it is such a fantastic tool. I think it's one of the most... I, I, I Being a radio aficionado, I, I, I won't probably... I may deny this if you if you ask me later on, but I think radio, the iPhone, maybe even Ira and a couple of more things are some of the most incredible devices and maybe the best devices that have come around in decades. They are just limitless in terms of what they they're what you can do with them and what they're able to do for you. Oh yeah, when the, the, that's the real strength. Nothing on its own in the iPhone is very universe. It is very revolutionary. You know, I have had a word processor before I've had a computer before that was able to read some books. Uh, it's just when it, it's really the economic strength is, is all the things it's combining in one device that lets you do unlock so many different capabilities that really gives the iPhone its strength and and makes it for blind people. I th- it's it's one of the most powerful things I, I think I've ever encountered in terms of just the economic unleashing that it does. In terms of you know I can use Netflix, you know I can use the the app of my bank, right? I mean I used to call. You know, we have telephone banking here, you know presumably that's down there as well. And I can't remember that number anymore. I can't remember all those numbers. I, I just had in my head that I had to just dial to do my banking because the app is so much better and so much easier right. than an right. audio banking system. Like who would have ever thought, you know, and then you got audio games. You know, we had audio games for a while that uh, Sean Bean narrated an audio yeah. game for us, you know, from Lord of the Rings. Yeah. That guy, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that is something. Bor- never- Boromir, yeah, Boromir, yeah, Lord of the Rings. Like, yeah. Yeah. We, we never saw that on the PC. That is yet to happen on the PC side of things, uh, but that has happened on the iPhone because the thought was that we could make you know audio games could attract sighted people as well as blind people, and you'd have enough money to support. And what happened? They sort of bit off more than they could chew, unfortunately, and. Uh, produce some top quality stuff but just didn't generate you know the revenue stream and had to pull the apps from the app store uh some of the best audio experiences i've had unfortunately so that it's a different economic space and it's it's something that that we can help shape you know we can actually engage with and 
and help things come into being and help things get better, you know, by contacting people, by, you know, you know, making ourselves heard. And that is a real powerful thing to be able to do that as, as well. Kickstarter. I've got a lot of books I funded on Kickstarter. Well, sure. help fund, you know, sure. I couldn't do it all myself, but you know, I've, I got my name in the, in the thank you page. That's cool. You know, some Sherlock Holmes books and stuff. And you know, there's my name in the, in the credits page. Yeah. It's like, wow. You know, so you know, these kind of things, you, you know, I, as a kid, I used to dream of, of going, you know, one of the most powerful experiences that I wrote about in the book was going to a book festival, you know, the CNIB, uh, our National Institute for Blind uh, People, it's kind of a, uh, I guess, close, it's sort of like your NFB, your bigger organizations, but not quite. It's kind of a different spin on it. And they uh, arranged this this trip down to a book festival. And I was, you know, I could, the book, they had a guide that I could look at ahead of time. It was done in DAISY format. So I could get at that on my iPhone, have it right there, know what was available at this hugely busy event. And I could just say to my volunteer, Hey, I'd like to do this. And and she would help guide me over there. And I could do exactly what I, you know, what I wanted to do, wanted to, to hit, you know, as long as we get to the events in time, we could do it. And I went, I was sitting in an, in a presentation by an author, uh, uh, and uh, Drew Hayes, as it happens, uh, one of our uh, First Nations authors here in Canada, um, and uh, he did a book of science fiction. Take uh, take us to to your chief, you know, science fiction from a native perspective. And I thought, you know, wow, you know, he was he did an excellent performance, reading some of his book and talking about it, taking questions. And I just thought, you know, I want this. Went on my iPhone. Went on the on, on Amazon.ca and bought the book while the author was speaking. As I sat in the audience, I went home with that book. I read it on the way home in an Uber. Like th- th- you couldn't have arranged a better demonstration no. of just the power of a device like this than and a trip like that. We could never like have done that. that before. We never could do that before. We didn't have that availability. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. I mean, at dictionaries, you know, uh, there's an app called Kiwix, K-E-W-I-X. If you ever wanted your own encyclopedia and dictionary reference set, it you can get the Wikipedia, all the different wikis, Wikionary, Wikipedia. If you have about, you, you need about 18, 19 gigs to spare on your iPhone. Uh, but if you have the space, you can get, the complete text contents of Wikipedia, it's about 12 gigs or so. The complete Wiktionary that combines dictionary thesaurus and will translate words in other languages if you know how to sort of spell them and entering them in. It will give you English, English definitions. So it's pretty cool. Uh, you could have all that in your pocket. You know, I can't imagine how big that would have been in Braille. Like you'd, <laughs> you'd need a building, yeah. you know. So, <laughs> we, we we do have a hand, by the way. We have one hand thus far. And awesome. So maybe yeah, you can okay. help us. Uh, Bobby is up. You know, I would like to. Um, I'm interested in the new iOS. I'd like to see it. Um, I saw Jonathan did a great demonstration. Now I have a question about eloquence and iOS. Um, 
is nuance bringing it back from the dead? Because I heard that, you know, years ago that eloquence just stopped being made. And are they going to add, improve eloquence and make it better? You know, eloquence itself, is that why it's in iOS? So are they bringing it back completely from the dead, do you think, or? Well, it's kind of hard to tell from, we only have limited information right now. Uh, that's, that's of course, beyond where my guide ended. I, I wrote the guide for iOS 15, um, and that's about as late as I could get it to go because we're, we're, we're waiting now for iOS 16. I can't do public beta testing. Uh, I need my iPhone to work. It's how I let people in the apartment when we order things online. So <laughs> you don't want to mess with that um, during a pandemic. Uh, but, you know, it, it's it, from what I've heard so far, uh, things are sounding pretty good. People are really excited about this development, much more than I would have ever figured. You know, it, it was, you know, all these new announcements. I don't know what Apple is thinking at the moment. All these new developments, huge things. And the biggest reaction after the keynote that I saw on Twitter was, they're getting eloquence to us. Yay! It's like, wow, man. <laughs> you know? Like, it's... So I guess we'll learn when uh, when they release it. Uh, presumably, we'll get more information from people braver than me who do some beta testing. When it's going to be uh, like right now, it's just developers. So when it goes to public beta testing, then anyone who's willing to take the chance, and it is a chance. Okay, I, people really have to be clear about this. When you when you beta test, you accept that that there will be bugs. Okay, that a lot of people don't seem to get that, uh, that you can, you know, be going along and then something will come up that might just wreck your day and it might not get fixed for months. Right. So, you know, be careful. Don't use this on devices that you rely on, you know, Uh, be thoughtful about that because you could really get into some trouble, you know, uh, if if you're not careful. especially if you really rely, like, you know, deaf blind people, for example, if they need something really to work reliably, uh, I really feel for them because of course, a lot of times Braille is given the short end of the stick. uh, And and we've seen a lot of instances where Braille problems, really bad ones have come up and been released to the public. And it's, it's, it's really painful. Like they can get really stuck. And if you rely on Braille to do for everything, uh, it, it can really be a dangerous thing for me. I can, you know, I can use speech, so it's not as as dangerous. But, but even there, you know, we've seen some nutty stuff get get through. Uh, so people should just be realize that as part of being a part of an, a user of an Apple device, you're a part of a big ecosystem, and it's much bigger than all of us. It's massive, and that means that sometimes, you know, things that will absolutely wreck your personal day won't bother other users and they'll just come right, you know, keep going right along fixing other things for what seems like ages. And then they'll finally fix what bothers you. So it's a much bigger pool we're swimming in here. And that's, that's a big change for blind people, you know, to have the company make the screen reader puts us in a very different position because they have other competing objectives. You know, they have things that, it might make them more money to get a feature out first before it's accessible, right? So there's all these dilemmas that they constantly have to, to face and juggle. And the accessibility department doesn't call all the shots. So they're constantly 
having to keep up with what Apple decides basically and try to make it as accessible as they can. And it's, it's a big, huge, complex thing that we're a part of. And that's one of the things I really tried to get across to people in the guide. Yeah, I mean, I can't believe that when I heard Flow, Jonathan Mosen did such a good job on it. But I, I have not heard the Flow voice since 1997, if you could believe that. I mean, I, I'm happy that Flow is coming back. I wish we could put all that stuff on Windows, but we can't. <laughs> well, and, and the good thing about if Apple offers these voices through it, you know, as part of the main operating system, it's free. You don't have to pay for this stuff. So that'll be great. You know, when, when these are just pop in, into the operating system for everybody, uh, that, that's going to be super. So I'm looking forward to messing with some of these voices, not, not some of the real out there ones like that bell voice. Uh, I shudder to think what that would do to my book, but <laughs> it'll be fun to mess with some of the stuff that's, that's coming up. What excites you about iOS in the future? What kinds of things do you think we're going to see? Well, uh, you know, I, I really like what they're doing with you know, the productivity space. Like the, the Notes app has gotten some nice upgrades recently. And I, I'm very interested to see what else they think to add. Because, uh, you know, Apple has this thing where they wait a while. They give you a bare bones app to begin with. And then third party apps just begin to clobber it. You know, and, and then they decide, oh, we have to update this. And they really update it in some major ways. And I'm hoping for one thing for a better podcast app. I'm using one called Castro now that's a subscription app, and it's really good. Uh, you know, I quite like how it organizes apps. And, you know, uh, but that, you know, part of that was born out of the frustration of the limitations of the podcast app that Apple offers, right? So they, they what they do is they give you basic functionality in these apps and then they they leave space for third-party developers to come in and really get creative and really come up with some different features that that you know for a while really clobber it and then they'll come back and go oh okay we can do all this and all of a sudden you know the the, what was a you know a fairly weak app compared to everything else suddenly gets much much better that's kind of what we saw with notes. That's what we've saw with uh, reminders recently. The calendar really ought to be next. I, I think it could do with some improvement. Um, I would like to see a tutorial. If I had one massive wish and I could just go, Apple, do this, because I, Mike Fair, king of the universe, say so, it would be to add a voiceover tutorial that was available right from the start and was available when needed from the voiceover settings, somewhere like that, somewhere obvious, somewhere intuitive, uh, and and some and was also pointed to the first time you ran voiceover, uh, you know, so that people knew it was there, you know, that that might not know how to get to it otherwise, like so that it would, you know, get you to a level of competence. That is my biggest wish for an accessibility update, uh, and has been for years. That, that just a really good tutorial for voiceover. Uh, that's just right there for people. The other thing is in the app store. I want to see apps, you know, something that helps direct people to accessible apps and, you know, something that's either curated very well by Apple staff or something that like an automated system where you might have 
a flag that developers could set that says this app is accessible with voiceover and have some sort of testing so that you, we could be sure that it's it's not just a developer's word, but it's it's in fact genuinely accessible with voiceover. Because I've seen that too. So, you know, some of the apps in Apple's collection of accessible apps that work with voiceover have gone through periods where they've really lost that status, you know, where they, they aren't very functional. I've seen that with Flipboard in particular is one that really I thought just went through a phase where they didn't seem to care about accessibility. Uh, and I stopped using it at that point because it got so bad. Yeah. And, yeah. I, and, and I know we have another hand, but before we do that quickly, I, I, I just happened to think when we talked about this before we actually started, most of us, when we go to the app store, we go to find apps that we've heard about. So we know that the chances are pretty good because we've heard about them that they're accessible. We don't generally go to the app store and say, I wonder what this app does. So then you have no idea whether it's accessible or not until you just play with it. So what you're saying is really, really true. If we could find a way to know that an app is is going to be accessible for us, so much the better. And it's it's that's it's hit and miss right now. Yeah. And a lot of it is cons- it's it's not like there's no conspiracy. There's no we don't want blind people here or anything right. like that. Right. It's it's a lack of awareness. It's a lack of just education about what is possible uh, that stops, you know, a lot of apps that ought to be accessible from being accessible. There are some apps that are just so visual that they, you know, it really is asking a lot of very outside the box thinking to make them accessible for us. You know, I've, uh, games are, are the first thing that comes to mind. There are some very visual games that would just be a nightmare to make accessible, uh, really prohibitively costly in all kinds of ways. It, you know, in, on, on the other hand, there are lots of apps that ought to be accessible that, that you read the description and you'd think, I should be able to use this. And you'll buy it and then you'll get it and you find that, no, no, it's not accessible, actually. VoiceOver can't do a thing with it. And then you have to either request a, a refund or if you're, you're a kind soul, contact the developer and say, hey, I'd like to use this app. And it's, you know, it sounded like something I'd really, a lot of blind people would like, but we can't use it right now. And sometimes, you know, if you explain and are patient and polite, uh, that can really get results. We've had a lot of developers become champions of accessibility. Uh, develop one game in that uh, uh, is is uh, Six Ages, Ride Like the Wind. Uh, another is a Dark Room. Both those developers, when they learned that blind people could use iPhones and really would like to play their games, went out of their way, well out of their way, making their games just models of what can be done if if developers really put effort into making their software accessible to us. Yeah, Dave is up next. What what was that app that you mentioned about combining the different uh Wikipedias and, and dictionary and whatnot? Ah yes, that that was a heck of a find. That's called Kiwix, K-E-W-I-X. Uh it's free from the App Store. And of course, the you know the, the references are free. Now you can get different versions of each reference, right? So there's and they, like the biggest one, it has pictures, right? And I've never really had a use for pictures personally, um, so I don't get that one. I get the smaller one. Uh, there are versions that just contain text, and those are the ones I usually get. So 
there are other ones that have a bit more that have a video and other resources as well. I tend not to get those. I go for just the complete text of, of the thing. So those are just usually the smaller ones. Um, and, and that it, it, you can go in and check, get the information on the, on what you're considering downloading and here and look at all the details and make sure it's what you want. So uh, yeah, that's, that's basically uh, it's all very accessible with voiceover. You can go in, you can read definitions, you can search, uh, read the articles. And uh, there's a lot of really interesting wikis there that you can get. If you have the space on your phone, you can just have all this just there, <laughs> you know, pretty amazing. That sounds like an amazing resource for students, especially oh, anyone yeah. who's at the college level. So the only thing you're going to run into there is some academics just can't stomach a volunteer made encyclopedia, right? They, <laughs> they just can't fathom that maybe the general public might know something about something. So, <laughs> you know, it, you can get into tussles there um, for general use, you know, for something where you just, you need, you, you don't need necessarily to be absolutely, you know, positively that, that it's all absolutely 100% correct, but you have to know that you're going to get a good general idea of something it's amazing for that, you know, for, for, you know, for my needs, it's, it's pretty much been like whenever I've checked on something, I didn't quite believe I've usually found it to be accurate. I can't think of a single instance where I haven't, you know, but th there is a vetting process. There are, they, you know, there are measures they take and you can see in that resource, like how, what trouble spots, what complaints have been leveled against an article, what changes might still be needed or wanted. So there's, there are ways you can check. Thank you, David. And we have just a few minutes left, maybe uh, enough time so that you could give us your contact information and tell people how they can get uh, access to your book. Sure. Well, uh, I'm at michael.fair, and that's F as in Frank, E-I-R, at gmail.com. That's my email address. And happy to respond to emails. Uh, I can send, if people have trouble download, uh, downloading the book, I'm happy to send it by email. Um, there, you can get it at my blog, michaelfair.blogspot.ca, or uh, .com rather. And uh, there's also a link from applevis.com. There's a posting on, on that site about it. And also, of course, Google. You can type it into Google and track it down that way. Uh, just make sure you get the second edition. Um, and uh, in in my guide, uh, in my blog entry, there are links to directly to the various uh, files. On it's on a Google Drive uh, folder that I share. And there's also a lecture I did called "Connecting the Dot: uh, uh, A Touchscreen Unseen." I did it uh, for a conference called "Connecting the Dots," and that's an MP3 file. Uh, so hopefully, between those things, uh, you know, we'll uh, hopefully get more formats. In the future, but for now, of course, there's EPUB, there's Microsoft Word, there is uh, rich text, I think. There's a plain text markdown one that you can search for number signs. Uh, I wrote this in a, a software called Ulysses, and uh, it uses markdown uh, to, to be able to use punctuation as indications of what you want it to do to format the book. And that means that you can search for headings, which are either one, two, or three number signs or more, depending on how deep in, into a topic you go. 
And so you can you can just use a text search to search your way through that. If not, if none of the other guides are working for you, that might help in some circumstances. But generally speaking, I recommend people get the EPUB version. Uh, it's got headings. It's got the table of contents. Uh, it's it's the most friendly for most people. Michael, thanks for being with us. It's been a terrific hour as usual, and good luck with the book. Yeah, I hope everyone uh, finds it, passes it along. If you know people who could use it, feel free to share it. It's free. I don't make a cent off it, neither does anyone else. So uh, spread it around. And next week, uh, we don't know what's happening next week. We're still working on it. But be with us, and uh, we'll put the uh, release out here as soon as we know for sure. We're waiting on a couple of things and don't have anything confirmed yet. So join us next week on Tech Talk.